Yes, take your Bibles with me tonight and turn with me to the book of Exodus. Book of Exodus chapter 21. Exodus chapter 21. And we're going to get there in a few minutes, but uh, before that, just a few words of introduction. As we read the New Testament, I've noticed that there were four writers who introduced themselves as servants of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, And two of them, uh, one was Peter, when he wrote uh, 2 Peter, he referred to himself as a servant of the Lord, and the other was Paul. Now, Paul didn't always introduce himself as a servant. Uh, most times, he introduced himself as an apostle. But there were two, three occasions where he called himself a servant of the Lord. And then there were two others that I find interesting when I read the New Testament. Uh, one was James. James, if you read James chapter, his book, he introduced himself as a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the other one was Jude. Now, why is that to me so interesting? Well, from what we know about the New Testament, James and Jude were half-brothers of the Lord. Now, to me, that's interesting because these men related to the Lord Jesus Christ. I can't imagine that. And that, that's, uh, boy, that's special. When you think about uh, royalty and the birth and all that, well, you know, to be the half-brother of the Savior and to, be, and to be able to address the Christian New Testament world. I mean, they could have easily said James or Jude half-brother of the Lord, and immediately it gained the attention of their readers and respect. But they forgoed that. Why? Because I think at some point in their Christian life, now we know they were saved after the resurrection. They weren't followers of the Lord when he was on this earth. But at some point, he made an impression upon them, and they turned to him and were saved and became followers of Christ. And not only followers, but at some point in their life, they said, we are, not, we are no longer the brothers of the Lord. We are his servants. Amen. And that word is interesting there. The use of the word servant is actually from this passage that I'm going to read to you. It means a servant by choice. You see, not all servants in the New Testament were by choice. Some of them were born slaves. They estimate that over half the population of the Roman world were probably slaves. You were born slave. But here were two men that says, you know, he's, he's, not our, he's not our brother. That's not what we want to be known for. I don't want to be known as a half-brother of the Lord. I want to be known as a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me ask you this question today. Do you consider yourself a servant of the Lord? I mean, a sir, I says, yeah, well, we're all Christians. Yeah, we're Christians. We're saved. And, we're, and uh, we're, we're born again, and we're on our way to heaven, and we have all the rights and privileges of being a believer, of being a child of God, and, and nothing will ever take that away from us. But, you know, there's another step to being a Christian. 
And I think that is a step of saying, you know what, Lord? I'm going to be your servant by choice. So that's what I want to look at tonight. I want to look at this idea of being a servant. And uh, I want to use this passage in the Old Testament to bring out the thoughts that I have. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the fact that we have a wonderful Savior, Jesus Christ. And what a joy to know that uh, when we leave this world, we have a better world to go to. We have a, um, a, a, a Savior who loves us and cares for us. And so, Lord, as we contemplate the idea of service, the idea of servanthood and this attitude of being a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, help me to bring out these thoughts that I have that, uh, Lord, that I believe are based on Scripture and our New Testament as well. So, Lord, we pray that you would uh, just bless here tonight, open our hearts to receive your word. Lord, we do pray for our pastor tonight as he's away on vacation. Uh, Lord, I pray as he's traveling, give him journeys in mercy as he returns home and Bring him back refreshed and, uh, Lord, just ready to serve here. Uh, we pray for those who are struggling tonight, uh, names that were mentioned this evening that uh, are in hospital and uh, are sick. Lord, we pray for them. May you bring them back to health and strength. And, Lord, may your grace be sufficient for those who are suffering tonight. Now, bless us here t- this evening. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, tonight... Uh, in our passage, we have the, the, this um, passage regarding servanthood, okay? And it's actually a regulation found in the law of Moses. Now, uh, when the children of Israel left Egypt, they were set free. They, they were in bondage for years, hundreds of years. They were in slavery to the Egyptians. And God had set them free. And they were free. And God was saying, listen, uh, he was not only setting them free, but he was bringing them out and he was giving them a better life in Canaan. He was fulfilling the promises that he had made to their forefathers, all right, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he was returning them back to the land of promise where all the blessings of God would would be received. And while he did that, he gave them some regulations because God knew that even though he had brought them out of slavery and they were now in freedom and going to a better land, they still had to live in this old fallen world. And you know, uh, even though they were God's people and he loved them, they were human and they were going to make mistakes and they were going to fail And they needed some regulations. They needed some guidance. Because, you know, uh, know, they they had been in Egypt for a long time, and a lot of that uh, way of life was ingrained into them, even slavery. And so here we see in this passage, we see some regulations that God gave concerning slavery. Even though, you know, sometimes I wonder, well, why didn't God just say, Thou shalt not have a slave. Wouldn't that have been easy? Wouldn't that have been direct? But he didn't. Uh, now, the, the, new, the law of Moses did not, you know, it didn't invent or bring about slavery. It was already a practice in the world. But what God did 
was he gave some regulations to protect uh, the Hebrew people from, so they would not go back to that old life that God freed them from, all right? He didn't want them to go back, but he had to deal with this topic, and so he did. And that's what we see in this passage here in verse chapter 21 and verse 1. And it says here, now there are the judgments which thou shalt set before him. So here are some rules and regulations that he's going to give to the Hebrew people concerning this topic. And we see in verse 2, if thou buy a Hebrew servant, six years shall he serve, and in the seventh he shall go out free for nothing. Let's stop there for a moment. And tonight, I want to look at Three reasons why we should consider being a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here tonight and you say, well, preacher, I'm a servant. I've given my life to serve God. I've done that years ago. Well, praise the Lord. And don't go back. (laughs) Don't go back. Maybe there's one here tonight that's never really had that decision. Or maybe you're, you're thinking about that decision. Maybe you feel God has called you or maybe calling you into some type of service. And maybe you're reluctant here tonight. You're sitting saying, boy, I I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I could give my life to serve the Lord like you're talking about. Let me, I hope tonight I can give you three reasons why you would consider being a servant by choice to follow the Lord. Even more than just being a Christian, but giving yourself to serve God and trusting Him wholly in your life. So let's take a look. One reason is because of the realization of a debt that was forgiven. There was a debt forgiven. Notice here, the question may be asked, why would anybody in their right mind, a Hebrew who had come out of Egypt, out of slavery, why would they even even think or consider going back into that type of service? Why would you do that? What, I mean, what situation would bring about that, that, that whole thought? Well, most likely, a financial hardship. You would say, well, you know, weren't they in the land of Canaan? Weren't all things good? I mean, I mean here in the promised land with all the blessings of God, wasn't it good all the time? No, no. Because, like I said, they live in a fallen world. They're fallen people. Bodies get sick. People make bad choices. And sometimes we find ourselves, even today as God's children, we find ourselves in financial hardship. Sometimes of our own making, sometimes out of our own control, isn't it? And most likely, like today, is this time here, most likely in this time period, there were people who had some, found themselves in some financial hardships where they couldn't pay their bills and they couldn't provide for themselves. And so for one reason or another, they became a debtor and they became slave to the, to the, to the ower. <laughs> and so they needed help. And so the only way that when they could do that was to say, you know what, I'll become... Uh, what we would call today an indentured servant. What's an indentured servant? An indentured servant is someone who would say, you know, I will give myself to serve you for so many years, kind of a contract, 
That's kind of what we have here. It's kind of a contract saying, I will give you so much time of service to pay off a debt or to receive something in return. And it would be kind of like a contract. And so that's what we see here. Uh, it, was, it would be that type of a situation that he would, he would give himself to serve to receive something that he needed. And most likely it was the payment of a debt. And this debt was probably a great debt that the only way to do that, he was in such bad sh- you know, he was in such a position where he would give himself as a servant to, to do that. You know, and uh, after six years, he was free. Uh, one of the stipulations of the law of Moses was you could not force a servant or a slave to serve you more than six years. They were set free. And that was God's way of making sure that the wealthy could not take advantage of the poor. They couldn't do that. And so this was, this was God's provision. And there was some regulations there that God provided for them. You know, and uh, whether at the end of six years, whether the debt was paid off or not, the man was free. He could go free, and, and nothing could stop that. And at that time, the debt was forgiven. You know, I'm reminded of a story in the New Testament where there was a king, and that king had a servant. And the servant, Jesus said, had uh, built up an enormous debt. I mean, it was just, uh, you know, Jesus said it was 10,000 talents. You know, some, uh, it's just an unusual amount of debt. And the king went to the servant. He had an accounting, found out that he owed all this money. And what did the king do? He says, listen, either pay it back or I'm going to put you in, in, you know, in slavery and your family. And I'm going to force you into slavery till it's all paid back. And the man, you know, you can just imagine what was going through his mind. And so he pleaded on behalf of the, of the compassion and the grace of the king. He said, oh, please, forgive me. And you know what the king did? He forgave him. Amazing. I mean, the whole debt, the king said, it's forgiven. It's gone. And uh, boy, uh, They couldn't, you know, that was amazing. Well, that same forgiven servant who owed that great debt, that same servant went out and found a man who owed him in comparison. Now, you know, 10,000 talents, the Bible says he owed 10 pence. I mean, obviously, that's that's a huge differential in the amount of money that was owed. All right, that's just Crazy. But how did that servant react when that man who owed such a small amount pleaded for compassion and empathy? Did he receive any? No. He didn't receive one bit. The Bible says that that forgiven servant took him and threw him in prison and says, you're going to stay here until I get all my money back, all 10 pence. 
And the story goes that the king heard about that. And he was appalled. I mean, he couldn't believe it. How could that man do that to that, that person who owes so, such little bit of money? I mean, it was just a small amount. And so he called him back in. He says, you, how could you do that? Why could you not forgive that debtor when I had forgiven you of all that money? I had forgiven you and done so much for you and let you go free. And Jesus said, that king changed his mind and says, you're going to pay your debt. And you're going to pay it all. And, the, and Jesus said, the king was so angry, he says, I'm going to put you to the tormentors until it's all paid. Now, that was a story that the Lord gave to his disciples because he was training them on the idea that, you know what? When somebody offends you, when somebody hurts you, you need to forgive them. And, and you know, they had a hard time comprehending that. I mean, they, they just could. And, P, and that's when Peter asked that famous question. Remember that question? Well, well, Lord, what if my brother offends me seven times? I mean, he offends me seven times. And Jesus says, you forgive him. And then he told, and he said, what? Even if he offends you 70, seven times 70, if he repents, you forgive him. You know, sometimes we are called on as believers, and if you're going to be a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, we got to learn to forgive. We got to learn to forgive. And we gotta, we got to forgive our brothers and our sisters in Christ. we got to forgive those in our family. We can't hold a grudge. Why? Because we're superhuman? <laughs> because we have some, some, some type of power? Because we have some type of compassion that's even greater than all the world and any unsaved person has? No, we're still flesh and blood. We're only human. We still deal with the fallen nature. We still deal with all that life gives us. We're not any special. We're not any better other than the fact that we've been forgiven of a great debt. And what's that debt? The debt? Christ Jesus forgave us of our sin. Our sin. You see? And because of that, my sin put Jesus Christ on the cross. Our sin put Jesus Christ on the cross. And, you know, sometimes uh, we don't like to think about that because, you know, we don't want to be held responsible. But sometimes we need to think and realize that because of my sin, because of some of the things that I have done, all the things that, you know, things that have been wrong, Christ Jesus paid for that. And he forgave that. And so that great debt that was, that was owed, I mean, what kind of financial amount of money could you put on that? Nothing. And yet someone offends us and we get angry 
You know, we can't forgive. Jesus said, you know, he says, that's unfathomable to him. So we need to learn. So being a servant, it's a realization we have been forgiven a great debt, and we now are free. (laughs) I'm free from the penalty of sin. I am free, and if I will follow Christ and trust Christ, I will be free from the power of sin. What a, what, a, what a blessing we have in Christ. What a blessing we have because of what our Savior has done for us. And then number two, another reason why I would have you consider being a servant, it's not just only because we have been forgiven a great debt and we can forgive others, but also we can show loving devotion to a wonderful Savior. To a wonderful master. Notice it says here, it goes on to say about this, uh, this, this, this regulation here. Uh, it says in verse 3, uh, if, now the six years are over and some things can happen. It's not just that he can go free. There's a choice. And notice what the Bible says, if he came in by himself, he shall go out by himself, meaning this. If the, if the man had only himself, I mean, obviously, if he's in financial problems, he's not going to have a lot. So whatever he had going into debt, whatever he had going into the arrangement, all right, going into the, the terms of the contract, when the contract was over, he left with that, okay? And he was free. He was free, and he had what he went in. He came out with what he went in with. But notice here it says here, it goes on, if he were married, then his wife shall go out with him. So let's say he, had, he was, a young, it was a young couple, and they were, they were married, but they got in this financial problem, and they, they, on their terms, they agreed to this arrangement, and so when the debt's done, they both go to go free. The, the master can't, says, can't say to them, well, you can go free, but your wife has to stay. All right, you can't do that. That was a regulation, all right? That was keeping, uh, that was a way of protecting the poor and their families. But notice it goes on to say in verse 4, if his master have given him a wife and she have borne him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters and he shall go out by himself. That's interesting, isn't it? That's an interesting thought. Uh, let's say a young, uh, he's a young man, he goes in, and while he's there, while he's serving, the master finds him a wife. And it's a good wife. And during those six years of service, they get married, and they have children, and uh, now he's got a family, right? And so what happens? The six years come to an end, and uh, he's ready to go, and he's walking out, and he's saying, okay, I'm free. But his family is behind, is left behind, because they don't belong to him. Now, for us, that's hard to comprehend, isn't it? Hard to understand that. I mean, that's just totally not our culture, and praise the Lord. <laughs> Thank God for that. But that's the way it was then. And so now, he's got a choice, doesn't he? That man's got to make a choice. He's going to say, well, 
Am I going to go free and leave my family behind? What would you do? <laughs> I, you know, that's, that's a situation, isn't it? That's, a, that's an interesting situation. And so uh, notice it says in verse 5, And if the servant plainly, self, plainly say, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not go out free. He, had, he could say, I'm going to stay behind. Now, why would he do that? Because of love and devotion. Love and devotion. You know, that, that servant there, he would say to himself, you know what, my life is better as a servant to my master than if I were free. You say, well, how could that be? How, how could that be? How could anybody ever think that life as a servant would be better than being free? Well, what if you had truly had a loving master? I mean, what if you had truly had a master who actually loved you and actually thought of your needs above even the needs that, you know, he could provide for you, and he's proven himself to provide for you farther than you could even provide for yourself. And the blessings of living there under him and serving him is even greater than anything you could ever experience out there in freedom. Would you consider being a servant? Would you even think about it? Maybe you would. If it was better, sure you would. And, th and that was an option. There was an option here. I can, I can serve my master. You know, Jesus said some interesting words about service for us as Christians, to his disciples. Just keep your place here. We're going to come back to Exodus, but turn with me to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, and notice what he said in verse 28. Matthew chapter 11, in verse 28. You know, the Lord, he's speaking to, uh, to, to his people, to the Jews, He's calling them. He has a compassion for them because, uh, you know, they're his people. <laughs> he came to save them. And he sees what they're going through. He sees the bondage they're in. And, and it's not just a financial bondage. It's not just a bondage of being enslaved and being, uh, you know, pressed down politically by, a, by a, a godless Roman government, but he also sees a people out there that are being led astray in a, in, in a spiritual way. They're following rules and regulations that are not based on the word of God. And they're being led to a lost eternity. And he, and he looks upon them and he says to them, he says, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, we all, I think we all know what a yoke is. And Jesus, and he uses that symbol, doesn't it? It's a, you know, that's a harness used to bring animals together and to allow them to, to do great work, right? I mean, uh, you would harness a horse or you would harness a, 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 an ox or a, some type of an animal and you would harness them so you can use them to provide a service, either to pull a cart or to pull, a, to pull a, a, a threshing machine or to pull a plow so that some great work can be done. That's the purpose of that yoke. And, but Jesus is not referring to a, a farm implement. <laughs> He's not referring to animals here. He's referring to us. And the yoke he's talking about is the fact of his teachings, his commands, the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's saying if we will come to him and we will submit ourselves to follow him and to obey him, then his yoke that he places upon us will be far easier than anything that we could ever accomplish in this world on our own by serving him. And that's why a Christian maybe would say, you know what, I could, I, I could go my own way. I could, you know, I'm a Christian. I can do my own will. I mean, nobody can force you to follow. It's a decision. But it's also a realization that you come in your life and you realize, you know what, I am better off following the commandments and the, the teachings and the will of God and the results I get are far greater than anything this old world could ever give me if I had just gone on my own. And many of us today have realized that and we've proven that because we have given ourselves to follow Christ. You know, some have said that, you know, when Jesus was talking about that yoke, he wasn't talking about harnessing us all together and pulling for Jesus. <laughs> no. What, what's the idea there? The idea is that we're harnessing ourselves to the Lord. You see, that's, it's his yoke. And we're harnessing, you know, when I decide to be a servant, I'm harnessing myself. I'm coming under the, the, the power of Jesus Christ. And folks, let me tell you, in your life, it's the Lord that does the heavy pulling. It's not us. <laughs> it's the Lord who brings all the blessings when we follow him. And that's why, uh, uh, you know, life for Christ, living for Christ is far greater than anything we could do on our own. And that's why, because, why? Because we have such a loving and wonderful Savior, Jesus Christ our Lord. And then thirdly, another reason to consider being a servant of the Lord Jesus is because of a strong faith in the Master's ability to provide. 
Let's go down and look at verse 6. If you're back, we're back in Exodus chapter 21. And notice it says in verse 6, Then his master shall bring him unto the judges. He shall also bring him to the door or unto the doorpost, and his master shall bore his ears to within all, and he shall serve him forever. Now, there was a, uh, it was not just a decision by the servant. All right, it wasn't just, well, you know, the servant just couldn't go to the master. I decided to stay, and you got to keep me. <laughs> no. It was a, it was a, kind of like a contract, wasn't it? It was, it was an agreement on both parties because the master had to say, well, yeah, I'll keep you. All right. And, and so in order for that contract to be finalized and to be recognized and so it wouldn't later be broken by either of them, right? You, you know, uh, let's remember the slave, he's saying, I can have a better life here. And he has confidence that the master is not going to, somewhere down the road, is going to abandon him. And the master is not going to, you know, well, listen, you're too old to work, so therefore I'm not going to keep you around anymore. <laughs> I mean, there, was a, there had to be a way of finalizing this contract. And so to finalize this contract was to go to the, you know, wherever the master resided, to go to the, the nearest city or nearest town and get the elders of the city, the judges, and get them together and they would plead their case. I have this servant who wants to be a bond servant, wants to be a continual servant. He's given up his own freedom. And they had to recognize, yes, we see that. We understand this. This is, a, this is an arrangement. No one's being forced against their will, and therefore we recognize this, and therefore we're going to finalize this. And the, and, the, and the way they did that seems a little odd to me, but the way they did it is they said, okay, and they took the servant to the doorpost, and they put an awl through his ear, a sharp point. And that was the contract, signing of the contract, that this is how it was. Now, Put yourself in the shoes of that servant. That was a step of faith. That was a step of faith. Not only to say that, you know, my master is going to love me and care for me, but, you know, he's going to provide. He's going to provide for all my life. And sometimes, you know, sometimes when we come to a decision like that to serve the Lord. You know, that old flesh gets kind of worked up, doesn't it? All those fears of what might happen. Well, you know, what happens if I follow Christ? Am I, am I going to have to give up some things? You know, if I, if I follow Christ, you know, uh, I, might not have, I might not have any fun anymore. And, you know, Christ may call me somewhere or make me do something that I'm just going to dread and hate. That's a step of faith. To say, I'm going to follow Christ and I'm going to be his servant because now I'm no I no longer have any rights. <laughs> I've, re I've relinquished those to do whatever he wants me to do. My, his 
command is what I'm going to do as he leads me. And you have, to have a, you have to have a belief, a faith, that you know what, wherever God leads you, he's going to supply. Whatever he does, he's going to supply. You know, I've learned in my ministry that is true. That is true. I've never missed a meal. I always had a roof above my head. I always had a vehicle to drive. God supplied all our needs. We raised three kids, sent them to Bible college. God provided for them. God provided for me. God is good. And if you're here tonight wondering if God can supply your needs, I'm here to tell you that um, if, you, know, you can just take my, you'll have to take my word for it. But I can honestly say, He will. He'll supply your needs. Whatever that need may be, you know, it's not always financial needs, is it? Sometimes it's spiritual needs, sometimes it's emotional needs. But God's grace is sufficient, and He'll take care of you. Just as he took care of me and many others like me, God will supply. Why? Because his, you know, his uh, store is vast beyond we can ever comprehend because he's the creator and sustainer of this world and he cares for you. The thought of giving up one's personal freedoms to serve the Lord may not be enticing to some people, even believers. Why? Why would that be? Because we live in a world that says, you know, me first. Me first. We live in a world that says you can be whatever you want to be. Why give that up? <laughs> Why give up that freedom? But you know, it reminds me of a waiter one day. This waiter was a Christian and he'd Spent his whole life serving, waiting on tables. And one day he had a dream. One night he had a dream. And he dreamed that the Lord Jesus Christ came into his restaurant and sat down at the table and he was going to wait on him. And so, wow, he was amazed. And he said, Lord, what can I get you? <laughs> what do you want? The Lord says, I'll have a steak and potatoes. And, the, and, you know, the waiter says, well, how do you want it? And the Lord looked at him and says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You know, what's the rewards of serving Christ? What's the reward of submitting yourself and, and following him? The rewards of being a servant of the Lord is that one day, you stand before him at the judgment seat of Christ and hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. What greater reward other than just being with the Lord for eternity? <laughs> I mean, the fact of heaven is the fact that it's, it's, we're going to be with the Lord. <laughs> I mean, that's enough in itself, is it not? 
the fact that we're gonna be with our Savior, the fact that we're gonna be with him for all eternity, but also that it would have greater uh, even the icing on the cake, if I could say, if we could hear our Savior, our loving Lord and Master, and hear him say to us, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Boy, that's over the top. <laughs> that's just more than what we could comprehend to hear that. Yeah, there's some good reasons to serve the Lord. And, and some of you know that already. Many of you know that already. But maybe you're here tonight and you're on that crust. You're just, what am I going to do? I, I would encourage you. Take that step. Make that decision. Be a servant. And let him lead you and follow him. And, there are, and the blessings will be yours. Will you make that step today? And if you've done that, if you made that decision before, don't go back. Don't take it back. Keep going forward. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your love. We thank you that you are such a loving and gracious master. Far more than we could ever receive in this world. So Father, thank you for loving us. Even as child children of God with our faults and failings, Lord, you still love us and care for us and provide for us. Lord, I pray maybe there's one here tonight. The first step of being a servant is to know Jesus Christ as Savior. They're here. Maybe there's one here that's not saved. They would take that step and receive the forgiveness of sin that we've talked about. That great debt that can only be paid by the blood of Jesus Christ. And then if there's one here on that, on that precipice of saying whether or not they're going to take that step of faith and just serve the Lord, be that servant, Lord, I pray they take that decision today and, and, and realize all the blessings that come with that. Help us for us who have served and are continuing to serve, Lord. May we continue to be faithful that one day we may hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.